Thank you for listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help you win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, come and see us and join the Passion Church family. Visit our Facebook page or our website at passionchurchmo.com to find out more about us. He sees you as a winner. And there's so many avenues of our life that we need to win in. And we feel like it is our mission to biblically point you to your win. Turn your Bible with me to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Put your finger on verse 30. And it says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now, last week we studied this out. And we looked at the Greek word for the word grieve. And it actually would read this way. And lupete, which is the Greek word grieve. Lupete, not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. How many are glad you're sealed? Amen. How many are glad that, that God's already gone ahead of you and he's already put his mark on your heart and on your mind and on your life? That word lupete, uh, last week we, we shared this, but I'm going to just pass and review if it's all right with you, uh, is from the, the, the root word lupe, which means pain or grief that can only be experienced by two people who are deeply in love. And the word lupete, when you add the te to the end of that word, it means the pain, the shock, the devastation, the hurt, the woundedness, and grief that accompanies unfaithfulness. Can I say that again? The pain, the shock, the devastation, the hurt, the woundedness, and the grief that accompanies unfaithfulness. Has anyone here ever been betrayed? You don't have to raise your hand because everybody here would have to raise their hand. We've all been betrayed by somebody we love or trust in this life. In this sense, it really is so intimate that it really speaks to the type of relationship that you have with your spouse. It's that intimate of a relationship. We determined last week that the number one foremost relationship in our lives is God through the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is the most intimate relationship we can have. Who can say amen to that? How many are glad that the Holy Spirit is the paraclete, the one called alongside? We, we did it last week. Pastor Colleen, if you'd put your phone down for just a moment. I know she's, she's actually looking at the Word. She's not texting. She's not out there doing, come on up here. But, <laughs> but last week, and if you're doing that, stop doing that. Anyway, if you're streaming today, God bless you. We're glad you're with us. But last week, we established this visual for you that uh, this relationship, God called my wife to be a help meet. And a woman was taken from the side of man, not from his head and not from his feet or any other place. Not that he could lord over her. I heard that. Not that, not that he should lord over her or, or that the relationship would be out of sync. 
In some foreign countries and in third world countries, women are considered second class citizens and are made to walk behind their husband in public arenas. That wouldn't go over very good in America. Got a lot of independent ladies here, right? But here's the true relationship that God has given a man and a wife is that we are a team. We work together. We love each other. We have intimate moments together that this is my best friend. Now, I love you guys. I love hanging with the guys. I love fishing, getting my fingernails dirty, dough bait, all that. I love getting underneath the car, getting greasy. But uh, I don't want to hang with you 24-7. I don't mind getting with you in a scratch and a belch contest. That's great. But, <laughs> but she smells better than you, and I'd rather be with her. She's my best friend. She's my help meet. And here's the picture that the Bible really gives us of the Holy Spirit. It's this relationship. And so a marriage doesn't work uh, apart from God. A good godly marriage is the one that's solid and can work if we work the Word, if we know how to apply the Word, if we know how to submit one to another and keep our relationship warm and alive. But here's how it should really look. Everyone knows that the Holy Spirit is spirit. You can't see him in the natural. But he's also a helpmeet. He's called alongside. He leads me. He guides me with gentle persuasion, the same as my wife does. Because when I'm looking at another new shiny hot rod, she goes, our bank account can't I get those subtle reminders. And, subtle about it? And, and, <laughs> <laughs> see what I got to work with? And sometimes it's not so subtle. Sometimes it's like, no, we can't do that. But we work together with each other. We share opinion. And it's the Holy Spirit's the same way. He's whispering to me direction and how to live and how to say no, and how to say yes to the right things, always leading me and guiding me and directing me. Thanks, babe. So I wanted you to get that visual that the Holy Spirit is as tied to you, and we established this last week, and as intimate with you as uh, your spouse would be. We, just, we established last week that he longs for you. Now, that kind of messes with guys a little bit. We don't go around going, boy, I'm just longing for Fred. You know, we just, it's a little strange for us. But now we do understand it when we're longing for our mate. And to think that God has the kind of relationship with us that he longs for us. He thinks about us. He desires to be close to you and wants to reveal himself to you. He's covered you. He prays for you. He has sealed you, marked you as God's own so that when the day of redemption comes and dawns, the Father will already know that you are his own. Last week we established that that relationship with the Holy Spirit is so intimate that like a lady tends to do they, you know, we talked about men, we don't, we're, we're not triggered by smells. Ladies are. And I pick up a shirt after three days and smell it, and then I ask her to smell it to see if it's good enough to wear it again. 
I established that last week. But ladies, they like stuff that smells good to them, and they, they can distinguish smells. One of the worst nightmares of my life is when I have to go into bath and body. Man almighty, that's tough. How many, how many of you guys have ever been drugged into bath and body by your lady? Mm-hmm. They happen to have one at East Hills, and I, I love those little seats that sit outside that shop because <laughs> after a couple minutes in there, all of my senses are just working together. And all those smells combined, I can't define one from another, but she can define them all. And there's something about that longing with a lady that, that they just like the smell of their man or their man's cologne. And there's something about that that triggers positive things in their heart and their mind and a longing. And this is the picture that the Greek is giving us of the Holy Spirit, that he longs for you. He hungers to be in your presence. He's tied to you in a covenant relationship. He covers you, prays for you. So when we, the redeemed, act in a way that says nothing in my life has changed, mm. if I still do things the way that secular society does them, I literally hurt and wound the Holy Spirit. I grieve him. Because he's so tied to me, as this relationship works, so it is with the Holy Spirit. And when I begin to act unseemly in ways that are contrary to the canonization of what we know to be the truth of the Word of God, when I begin to act like secular society, when I begin to put my hands to things that are unseemly and sinful, it's the same as if I found another lover and flaunted her in my spouse's face. Does that paint a good picture? Do, do, are you picking up on, on how intricate and delicate this relationship is? This is God the Holy Spirit. Jesus never once mentioned about hurting his feelings. God the Father never once mentions that you can hurt his feelings. But God the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Because his mission is to come and to serve and to cover and to woo and to love in the place of Jesus and to seal you and keep you and walk with you and partner with you and love you all the way beyond the veil into the presence of the Heavenly Father and our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. And so this relationship, so intimate as it is, can be grieved. I will lupete him if, and commit spiritual adultery against him and cause him great pain and agonizing, gut-wrenching pain if I just live in a haphazard direction with my life. Spiritual adultery is as devastating to the precious Holy Spirit as adultery would be to your spouse in the natural. 
It's a deep-seated feeling of betrayal. A disregard of how your spouse will feel when they find out about your little something-something going on on the side. In other words, you sold them out for a moment of self-gratification. Do you see why that's so ugly? Why that's so painful? Why that would hurt? Gentlemen, there ain't a, one of us in this room who wouldn't be crushed if we discovered that our wife had another lover. Many of us would get to the place of standing up to fight for our territory, and many of us would get violent. Come on, I'm going to be honest with you. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit if we don't take into consideration our actions. If we live by it feels good, so I do it. We put the Holy Spirit in the most vicarious place. So oftentimes when we start this relationship with God, we don't weigh. Just like some of those young people don't weigh when they come and sit in my office for premarital counseling, when I say weighty words about how a relationship works, all they can see is the instant gratification of the love that they're feeling at the moment, the goosebumps and the feelings. They don't know that after you've been married to this bum for a month and his shorts aren't the cleanest when you go to put them in the laundry and that he's a slob and that he leaves things scattered all over the place and he makes messes all over over your house. They're back in a month in my office going, what did you let me do, pastor? <laughs> she said she can help me preach. She said if he's not working, if he's not providing, if he's not doing this, if he's not coming home with roses. No, you didn't say that part, did you? But we put the Holy Spirit in that same situation. If it feels good and I do it, I know I'm committed to you and devoted, and you've devoted your life to me, but all that matters to me is what I want and feel right now. And I think we so haphazardly start our journey in Jesus without really giving it serious consideration that this is a covenant relationship. When I gave you my heart, God, I gave you all of me and the right to, to intertwine in my life and to speak truth to me when I need to hear it and to rebuke me when I need to be rebuked and to, and to set my feet on a righteous path where they need to go and that you have the right at any time, Holy Spirit, to nudge me and remind me that I'm getting sideways with your will. Is this too harsh? All right. I'll keep moving. But we do this. We say, I know I'm committed to you, and, and I know you've de devoted your life to me, but all that matters to me is what I want to feel right now, but I love you. I've had men under the guise of Christianity, talk to me, and buddy, you don't want to talk to me this way. <laughs> talk to me about, now, I'm married, but God understands I have this little gal that I kind of see on the side. No, 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 no. God does not understand your infidelity against your wife. He doesn't ordain it. The moment you say, I'm committed, God's committed. 
All the ladies said amen. I want you to understand this, that the words I love you carry no weight without the actions behind them that prove your love. Now, I'm not here to condemn anybody because I know that the enemy pulls and he tempts and he tries to talk us away. We're living in a battle zone. This isn't always easy. There, it's easy for us to step to the side. It's easy for us to get off of a narrow path. It's easy to make some really goofy mistakes. Ask me how I know. But if I don't weigh my actions, I am... I am giving the same level of disrespect to the Holy Spirit that I would to my spouse as if I ran out and found another lover. Do you know why? Because there is a God of the structured society. The Bible refers to him as Satan's, the serpent, slewfoot, some of us call him. He is a real entity and a real spirit, the same as the Holy Spirit. The difference is the Holy Spirit is God and Lucifer is a created being. And it makes the Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm off of my notes now, but it makes the Holy Spirit tremendously upset and jealous to know that you would rather give your time and attention to the actions and the worship of a pseudo God who does not deserve nor never earned the title but stole it from man in the garden of Eden and now he's in control and getting you to dance like a puppet on a string at his command, making you look foolish in the middle of the sinful activities that you're doing. All the while, he's mocking you, laughing you, and shaking his fist in God's face, and the Holy Spirit gets a little bit upset about that. You guys got quiet on So when we choose to imitate the world instead of God, according to Ephesians, the fifth chapter, the first verse, it says to imitate God. We commit adultery on the only individual who can save us. Paul reminds us in Hebrews, the 13th chapter, that Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. Come on, take comfort in what I'm about to say. The Holy Spirit doesn't believe in divorce. He stays committed to you and to the relationship. He doesn't give up on you. And even if you give up on him, you can take that adultery as far as you want, betraying, wounding, shocking, devastating him as much as you will, but he will not give up on you. You can choose a path that will put you in the way of grave danger or spiritual callousness beyond being able to sense or feel God any longer. But the Holy Spirit will keep fighting for you, hoping for you to turn around. When a person release, when a person refuses to follow God to the point of a calloused soul, he will sear his conscience until he no longer cares. He wants self-indulgence more than God and intends to keep that direction to the end. He pulls himself out of the covenant relationship with the Holy Spirit like a spouse walking away from her marriage or his marriage and the 
callous soul then writes on their heart or conscience, divorced from God. Everybody still with me? 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, first and second verse, says that in the latter times, people will be duped by seducing spirits and doctrines or twisted teachings of devils. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, they claim a relationship, but by their actions they have committed spiritual adultery and seared their own conscience. Twisting and perverting spiritual truth held from the beginning of time and mocking their meaning and purposely calling, uh, uh, pur- purposely calling uh, what's good evil and what's evil good. So what exactly is it in our life? That grieves the Holy Spirit. I'm glad you asked. (laughs) In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, first verse through the 19th verse, the first real major point is this. If you're acting as if you have never known right from wrong, you will grieve the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's been given to you to convict you. Conviction isn't condemnation. There is therefore no, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. But the Holy Spirit has been given to us, and I'm preaching to the saints today, has been given to us to convict us when we get off the path or we put our hand to things that we shouldn't put our hand to do. The Holy Spirit is the one who gently nudges us and leads us and guides us. But if we act as if we don't hear that nudging, if we choose by an act of our own will to push beyond the warning signs of the Holy Spirit, we then begin to enter into an act of spiritual adultery. In chapter 4, verses 23 and on, The second thing I found is not allowing your mind to change to a Christ-like persuasion. In other words, we don't start acting Christ-like. We just continue to act as if we've never been born again. But holding to your old behaviors, wants and desires, like before you knew Christ, that grieves the Holy Spirit. And then there's a whole list of things from the fourth chapter all the way into the fifth chapter. We find, don't lie. Don't let your anger get out of control until it becomes sin. Don't hold grudges. Don't give the devil any entrance into your life. Keep him out. Curb your language. I'm going to say this one. Curb your language. Stop swearing. Stop it. Stop telling filthy jokes. Stop verbal sexual assault on others. Stop it. I'm really having a time anymore with these pastors that get in the pulpit and they think because now uh, we're in 2018 that we have to somehow be relevant to everyone who walks through the door. I want you to understand something. The gospel was given to us to separate us and set us apart. Not because... Not because we want to be elitists, 
No, we want to be God's representation of righteousness into the world so that when people out in the world and in society begin to discover that this isn't working for me, they have a shining example of someone that it is working for. They can find somebody who's already winning and become a winner themselves. Mm, Is that all right? Is that all right? But here lately I've been hearing Men of God and people of God. Now, listen, I'm not, I'm not lily white and perfect and got it all going on. Everybody knows I'm just as human as anybody else, and I don't ever come in here and try to act as if I'm smarter, better, got this figured out any more than you. But if you hang with pastor long enough, you'll see an inconsistency in my walk somewhere. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. None of us are perfect. Slap your neighbor high five, say, Whew, I didn't think he was ever going to get here. Y'all were getting nervous. I could just see it. I've written all over your face like, oh, my gosh. But if you're with me long enough and I stub my toe in the middle of the night in the dark, I've been known to speak in foreign tongues, but not spiritual ones. I've said a few words. Smash my thumb with a hammer. I'm not talking about a mistake or a slip. I'm talking about consciously, purposely keeping it in your life. And I've been seeing pastors get in the pulpit and using foul language to try to to convey the message of Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you, don't do that. I'm not here to judge you, but I am here to tell you, the word says, don't do that. You won't win a brother with that kind of activity because then they begin to compare that their life is really not a whole lot different than your life. What they're looking for is a shining example of what a winner looks like. Is this all right? Wow. All right. Only speak things that bring help to others and puts Jesus in a good light. Who could say amen to that? Then the word says, stop malicious talk about others in the body of Christ. Everybody just do this. Control your impulse to talk negatively about a brother or a sister in the body. That should be our first line of respect. We're in this together. I wasn't placed here to judge you. I was placed here to help you. I was placed here to gently help you with correction as the Holy Spirit has helped me. We're in this thing together. We ought to have each other's back. There ought to not be a better fan club in the body of Christ than it is inside the house. We ought to be cheering each other on. And when a brother or sister gets a promotion, instead of dropping back and getting in a fit of jealousy, we ought to stand up and shout and back them and pray for them and catapult them forward and tell everybody about the great promotion that's going on in other people's lives. You see, I don't get defensive when I have someone come up here and tell me they're having signs and wonders and miracles. Well, I may not have had any this week, but I thank God that you did, and I want to cheer you on. Keep preaching. Keep laying hands on the sick. Keep keep demonstrating Jesus because that's what makes the world look at you as a winner. Look at your neighbor and say, I told you. Mm-hmm. We need to learn tenderness towards one another in the body because they are our family. I'm almost done. Aren't you happy? <laughs> Although I've got enough time, I could probably preach these other two messages. <laughs> I won't. The word goes on 
in the canonization, if you'll read from chapter 4 to 5, that's your assignment. I didn't have time to do all that today. The Word tells us very clearly to stop all sexual misbehavior of every kind. Because when you jade and break and tear up this covenant relationship, you grieve this one with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit understands the covenant heart of God. He understands a promise and a contract that says it should never be broken. The Bible's very clear. God hates divorce. He's very clear. That's why he won't commit that act. But aren't you glad that he forgives the divorcee? Aren't you glad that it isn't over because somebody betrayed you? Sometimes you're put in a position where the person you loved and you covenanted with, they decide they don't want to be married anymore. And you can't hold somebody to a covenant they don't want to be a part of. And so if that person decides to give up on the covenant that you have cut with them before God, sometimes all you can do is tearfully say goodbye. But understand this, if you're going through something like that, divorce is not final with God. He still loves you. He will use you. He will cause you to be fruitful and powerful in your life if you'll just lean on him. How many could say amen to that? And it's the same with any of these sins. The beauty of the relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit is simply this, that even when I fail and I break the covenant he doesn't. I would have to purposely sear my conscience and walk away and say, I do not want what you have to offer anymore, God, for him to ever allow me to just go that far. I would have to purposely. And I honestly still believe that even if I did, the Holy Spirit would still be there nudging me poking me, trying to get me to turn around. How many believe that with me? Amen. We're almost done. Stop sexual misbehavior of all kind. Obey your parents. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Honor your spouse. and Be imitators of God and not society. It's time for us to act like we've been born again and live repentant lives and remember that our covenant is with the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one called alongside, the most intimate lover of your life. You can push your mate to the point that love becomes numb. You can, you can violate this relationship without ever touching physically just by verbal abuse. You can wreck a relationship with the words that come from your mouth because our words are creative or destructive. And if I'm not building this relationship, but I'm tearing it down, human effort will give up on you. Human effort will give up on you. 
I've sat under bridges with some of the people in the most hopeless situations, and I've worked with people who hated where they were but wouldn't do anything to change their circumstance. And I wanted it for them so bad I could feel it and I could taste it, and I knew they could be a winner, but I couldn't get them to let go of the things that they were tied to and chose to be tied to. But the Holy Spirit, unlike this relationship, he stays with us. No matter how ugly we get, no matter how gross we become, if we end up under a bridge and lost as a goose, guess who's sitting under the bridge shivering with you? It is the Holy Spirit of God not willing to give up on you. I truly believe he'll walk right into the gates of hell and only to separate there if you choose not to turn around because God loves you. God desires you. God hungers for you. He breathes in your scent. He wants such a relationship with you that he just chooses not to allow you to be alone. There are people outside of these walls who've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I want you to understand something right now. The Holy Spirit's already at their door. He didn't just come for those of us inside the walls. He came for everyone. And he came that everyone who, who seems to be what we would call an outsider today would become an insider because God wants us to win. God doesn't want us to, to follow a pseudo-God who's going to steal, rob, kill, destroy everything that we put our hand to and drag us into a hell that was never made for man in the first place, but that we will walk into a covenant relationship with him and know the ecstasy of what it is to serve an awesome, almighty God who has our back 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He never gives up. And even if sickness comes knocking at my door, he lays beside me reminding me of his, gently of his healing power and his healing scriptures. And if by chance I should fall into the grave, which one of us one day we will, he, he's with me even in that moment that when I'm translated from this life into that life, who do you think it is that walks me to the gates of glory? It is the Holy Spirit, the Paraclete, the one who's partnered with me. He's my partner in this thing called salvation. He's my partner in prayer. He's constantly praying when I'm not even praying. When I'm sleeping at night, the Holy Spirit is praying for me and making intercession for me that God would be with me, that when I open my eyes in the morning, the hordes of hell that wanted to kill me in the night have been pushed away and shoved away. That if he has to call the angelic host from the portals of glory to come with flaming swords to fight back the enemy away from my life and whatever's going on. He is there at my beck and call, constantly watching over me. And even when I don't know that I'm in danger, he's got my back. <laughs> I'm talking about the Ruach HaKadosh, the Holy Spirit. So how, Holy Spirit, 
Last week we talked about how could you betray me. This week I'm asking, how could I betray him? How could I betray him? How could I betray him after all he's done for me? He took my sins and my disgusting mess that other people, I would never want them to know. He took the disgusting mess and opened up my closet and sweeped it out. And he translated me from death and the curse of sin and death into the glory of life in Christ Jesus. He met me at the altar, which was, in my case, my bed as a boy of nine years old. He met me there, and the Holy Spirit introduced me to the Father, and he bridged the gap between the two through Christ Jesus. And he brought the Father intimately to me. On that day, I wept big crocodile tears. At nine years old, you haven't gotten into a whole lot of hardened sin, but I felt as if I was carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, or who you did it with. The Holy Spirit knows, and he's not judging you. He's loving you back to the Father or to the Father for the first time. Because God wishes that none should perish. Thank you for tuning in today, but listen to me. The Holy Spirit loves you. He's with you. He will not give up on you. Today, he wants you, and he wants you bad. He longs for you. He thirsts for you. He's in this room right here, right now. If you're born again, he's already in the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you've never asked him as your Lord to be your Lord and Savior, you've never asked Christ into your heart, he's waiting for entrance, standing at the door, knocking, saying, let me. If you'll let me in, everything will change. If you'll let me in, you'll go from, from losing in life to everything you put your hand to to winning in life at the things you put your hand to through Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you for your presence in this room right here, right now. We thank you, Father, for moving by the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. We ask you, Father, right now for the next few remaining moments that we have together, whether we're streaming live or whether we're in this room, Holy Spirit, we want to make sure that our relationship with you is everything that it's supposed to be. We want to make sure, precious Holy Spirit, that we are not playing some foolish game of spiritual adultery, but that we are as in love with you as we possibly can be this side of the veil and to know that you reciprocate that love to us, that God is for us. And if God is for us, who, who, who could be against us? We thank you, Father. 
that the hordes of hell have no power in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we give you honor. In Jesus' name. We're so glad you listened to this message today. Our goal is to bring hope, encouragement, and help you win, all while building God's kingdom. At Passion Church, we believe in community. If you would like to partner with us in prayer or giving, then send us a message on Facebook or through our website at passionchurchmo.com. We'd love to hear how God is impacting your life through this ministry.